Hey, did you have a good Thanksgiving? Yeah? I love Thanksgiving for so many different reasons. Um, And I think there's something good about every year looking forward to something uh, because of a tradition in the past, something that's coming up that you know that you are just anticipating. And when I was a kid, I looked forward to Thanksgiving every year because I knew we'd get in the car and I knew we'd drive to Asheville, North Carolina. And it was like my, I mean, I loved Asheville, North Carolina in the, the Blue Ridge Parkway. Has anybody ever been to Asheville, North Carolina? Some of you are looking at me like I'm crazy. It's one of the most beautiful places in the world. It's unbelievable. And my uncle, uh, Uncle Tom, had an old uh, Army Edition Jeep, and he would put all the, the kids in the back, and we would drive up the mountain, get to the top of the mountain, and we'd have a bonfire. And we'd come back down, and all the sisters who had gone shopping would be at home fighting, and family dysfunction would take over. But as a kid, I loved it. You know, is grandma going to hit mom or is, that never happened um, to my knowledge, but it was awesome. I, I, I loved Thanksgiving. And at the end of Thanksgiving, because we knew we wouldn't see my aunts and uncles and, and cousins, and I knew we wouldn't see my grandma at Christmas, we always did Christmas together. And my grandmother would, would buy this poinsettia. And it was the, like the Christmas tree, the poinsettia. My mom hated poinsettias. And she had put it there and all the presents around it. And um, my, my family, like all of us are type A. And so um, my grandmother was real particular about where the poinsettia sat in the room. And my mom was real particular. And so they would move it around. <laughs> and then me and my brother figured this out. And so then we would move it. But I just loved that whole weekend of Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving really became a precursor to Christmas, right? It it became this this looking forward to what was ahead. This whole holiday, we call it a holiday season. And the word holiday, I know sometimes we have like some kind of puts us back, but but the, the roots of that word are holy days, you know, that we have these holy days coming up. And there's this old tradition in the church called Advent. And I think there's something about paying attention to this church calendar, this Advent season. Advent uh, literally means the arrival, the arrival of the Messiah. And the church, um, for for a number of years, has set aside this season um, to sit back and prepare for the coming of Jesus. Now, you might say, well, how can we prepare for something that's already happened in the past? Well, this is the beauty of the gospel, that... uh, that Jesus' coming isn't just something that happened in the past, but it's something that happens again and again and again. So you have the coming, the arrival of the Messiah that happened a couple thousand years ago, but it happens in the present as well. Like Jesus enters into the middle of our stories if and when we allow him to. Advent uh, is about preparing, and we might think about it like this, that Advent is about becoming fully present, becoming fully present in and around the Christmas story. Um, one of the very first things that, um, that we begin to see when Christmas is coming, if you think about it, driving through the neighborhoods, this happened to us last night. We were coming home from dinner, and we're driving into our neighborhood, and what's one of the first things that we see going up? Christmas lights. Yeah, you know, you, you should be preaching this again. Um, Christmas lights. 
lights begin to mark the arrival of the Christmas season. And we pull into our neighborhood and um, the, the, the palm trees are lit up. Now, Christmas in the desert is a little bit different than Christmas up in the mountains and you see the snow glistening and all that, but, it, but it's still beautiful. And you see these lights that begin to mark out the coming of Jesus. I wonder if every time we see lights in this season, if we wouldn't consider what it means to be fully present in the season, to be fully present around the coming of Jesus, the story of Christmas. Uh, Some would say that until you truly lament, and what that means is until you truly become fully present with yourself, you can't fully enter into the Christmas story, until you recognize your need for the coming of the Messiah, you can't fully celebrate Christmas. In the next four weeks as a church, we're going to walk through this season together, this, this Advent season, preparing, becoming fully present. And we're going to use a passage of scripture, which is found in the book of Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah probably spoke these words somewhere between 600 and 800 years before Jesus was born. Now, isn't that just incredible to think that some of these words that are written about Jesus were written so far before his coming? So Isaiah, hundreds of years before Jesus, he begins with this. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. This idea of lights, in the midst of the darkness. And I think this invites us to becoming fully present. It invites us to recognize the darkness of our world and the darkness of our own hearts. And Isaiah, he, he casts this vision and he says, these people who walk in darkness, these people who live in darkness within themselves will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. Uh, The story of Jesus hasn't even been written yet, and we find the gospel tucked into the Old Testament. This is the gospel. This is the good news of God, that he doesn't leave us in our own darkness to figure it out on on, on our own, but he he enters in. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government will rest on his shoulders. Now, in the season we just walked through, isn't there an amen that should come? (laughs) Amen. Amen. The government will rest upon his shoulders. Well, what does this mean? Um, If I were writing this story about Jesus entering into the world, about God coming down and taking the darkness away and becoming a light, I would not write the story of a baby, right? I'd write the story of something more powerful, you know, a king or... Something, but not a, not a baby. But you see, a baby, there's so much hope wrapped up into a child. If you think about it, those of you who have you've had children, you have grandchildren, and, and you hold them for the first time, and, and you, you realize how, how precious and fragile, yet how much hope and potential in this future with this little child. And so God writes the story probably much differently than than we would. And when it says that the government will rest upon his shoulders, I think what it's saying is that a new kind of kingdom, a new kind of world is now present. 
when it comes to Jesus. And it's not the ways of this world, and it's not according to how we normally live, but, but Jesus brings something new, and that this new way will, will never go away. He continues, and he will be called. And, and this is where our focus will be the next four weeks, these, these names that Isaiah gives us of, of Jesus. So uh, let's, let's read this together, this part. We're, we're going to memorize this in the next four weeks because we're going to talk about it every single week. So let's, let's say this together. You ready? And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Now, names in the ancient world were much more significant than they are in our world today. Names held purpose and value and meaning and they, they give insight into the kind of person that we could expect in the Messiah. So these names are incredibly important to God. For us to understand what this means is, is important for us to be fully present in the story, for us to understand why Jesus even needed to come in the first place. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. He will be called the Prince peace. And then it says this, his government and his peace will never end. There will be no end to the reign of Jesus, the kingdom of Jesus. It has begun. It's not fully present yet. It has begun, but it will fully become present and will last into eternity. It will last forever. There will be no escaping this kingdom for any of us. So today we begin with this. He will be called Wonderful Counselor. Um, if Thanksgiving reminds us of anything, it should remind us that we all need counseling. <laughs> if we spend time with our family, that is, right? <laughs> we all need counseling. We, we all need um, some outside perspective. Uh, two times in my life... Uh, Counseling has, has served an incredible purpose and role in, in, in my life, specifically. The first was premarital counseling. Uh, Robin and I spent some time with the counselor, and, and one of the most powerful things that he did with us is he had us work through our families of origin, and we did a genogram. Am I saying that right? And, and we kind of walked through our, our family history. And you know what's so interesting about this? Like, once we filled out this, this, this genogram and, and, and were able to look at our, the histories of our family, he knew the problems that we already held. Like he said, well, you probably struggle with this. And like, how did you know? Because this is tucked into your, your family of origin. It, it, it's this repetitive pattern that happens again and again and again. Extremely helpful for, for Robin and me to, to spend some time with a counselor who had this outside perspective and wisdom that could speak into the, the challenges we would face in life. Uh, the second time that counseling became very important and served this great purpose in, in my life was um, when, I, when I finally had the courage to, to deal with my parents' divorce and realized that... Um, I was a mess internally, and I had worked so hard to cover it up and make everything look okay, but I just came to this place where I just couldn't do it anymore, and I needed someone on the outside, someone I could trust to kind of speak into it, give me some insight that I didn't have on my own. 
This is a human counselor, very limited, but, but counseling offers some things to us. It offers um, someone with a, a larger perspective. So if you think about the benefits of counseling, you would think of someone with this, this broader perspective of life, right? So a counselor brings this, uh, this bigger view than, than we have on our own. A, a counselor is, is someone that we can, we can trust, someone that, at least legally, is bound to, to keep things confidential, right? So it's someone we can trust. It's someone with this larger perspective. It's someone with some wisdom who spent some time thinking through emotions and relationships, things that we often don't think through. So it's this, this, this counselor can bring this outside wisdom. And then this counselors, good counselors, begin to speak life into our brokenness. They encourage us even in the midst of our mess. And I think when Isaiah gives us this picture that he will be called Wonderful Counselor, he's giving us this idea that that Jesus in some way provides this, this counselor sort of relationship to us, this personal, this wonderful counselor who, who gives us perspective, someone that we can trust, someone who speaks life into our brokenness. So there's a story tucked into the book of John, which is one of my favorite uh, books in the entire New Testament. And John tells us the story that Jesus is passing through this region that he didn't normally pass through, and it's lunchtime, and his disciples go into town to, to get some lunch, but he kind of stays at the, at the well, and a woman comes to the well to draw water. Now, women uh, wouldn't normally come at lunchtime unless they wanted to avoid people. They would come in the morning. That's when they would gather around the, the water and tell their stories. And if they gossiped back in those days, maybe that's when they did it in the morning. But they wouldn't come at lunchtime because lunchtime was when they were preparing the food. So this woman comes to the well probably because she wants to avoid people. And she finds Jesus there. And Jesus asks her, hey, would you, would you get me some water? And she's kind of caught off guard. Why would this man that she doesn't know speak to her. She knows that he's a Jew. She's a Samaritan. They don't, it's like a Republican and a Democrat sitting over <laughs> coffee or something. They just don't want to talk to each other and they disagree on so many things. And she's like, why would you ask me for water? And you know what he says to her? If you knew who I was, if, if you knew who, who I, you, you would ask me for water. Which she kind of finds funny. She's like, you don't even have anything to draw water with. What do you mean if I asked you? And he said, oh, th this water, this water will, will quench your thirst for a while, but the kind of water I have, you will never thirst again if you drink this water. And she says, well, give me some. I want that. I want what you're having. <laughs> and Jesus looks at her and he says, well, go, go, go get your husband. Now, see, Jesus knows that this is what she does not want to talk about, right? This is, this is the off-limits. This is why she wants to avoid people. Go get your husband. Well, I don't have a husband. And Jesus looks at her and says, you're right. You've had five. And the man that you're living with now isn't your husband. Now, here, here's, here's Jesus who knows every bit of her life, every bit of her business, 
but is willing to sit with her, to cross cultural boundaries to be present with her. Now, when she realizes that he knows everything about her, she wants to change the conversation to this religious conversation. Well, you must be a prophet if you know all of these things. So, you know, your people say you should worship down in Jerusalem. Our people say you should worship up here. Which, which is it? Which is the religious thing to do? And Jesus, I, I, I imagine, kind of chuckles. You know, this is your way of avoiding life, you know? And he says, you know, in the future, it won't matter where you worship in this building or that building, a church under this name or a church under that name. Um, God just wants people who worship with pure hearts. That's, that's all that matters. And Jesus begins speaking to her in a way that adds value and wholeness to her, in a way that she's never experienced before. And what's interesting about this wonderful counselor is it changes the entire trajectory of her life. The, this woman who was avoiding all conversation, goes into town and begins telling other people about Jesus. You've got to meet this guy. He knew everything about me, but he wasn't scared of me. He sat and he talked to me. He spoke life into my brokenness and my despair. He was a light in my darkness. The disciples who, remember, had gone off to lunch, they come back out of town. They bring no one with them she goes into town, starts telling some stories. She brings a crowd back to Jesus. One woman does what 12 men can't do. <laughs> Women, can you say amen? Yeah. Wow. 12 religious men who have been following Jesus around can't do what this one woman can. A transformed life can't help but spill over onto other people. And this is what happened in this story. Jesus becomes her wonderful Counselor, he enters into the mess, no judgment, just desire for wholeness. Listen, this is the same Jesus this year who wants to enter into your mess. This, this is the same Jesus who's not afraid of what you have to hide. In fact, he already knows it. I mean, this, this Jesus is well aware of all the things that you're covering up. He, he's well aware of the relationships in your life that are broken, but you're too afraid to, to tell anyone. He, he's well aware of the things that you've hidden for years that you think are going to catch up with you. He's well aware of those things, and he's not scared of them. He wants to be present with you. And he wants to bring you life and wholeness. And so I want to end with this question today. And we're going to kind of walk into just a closing time just to, to think. And here's the question. In what area, in what relationship, in what situation, present situation, in, in what past experience do you need the wonderful counselor to show up this year? In what area of your life? In what situation, in, in what past experience that you've, you've just, you've kind of ignored or you've, you've, you've tucked back there that you, you don't want to talk about? Where do you need a wonderful counselor this year? And it's one thing to name it. It's another thing to, to sit with it 
and allowed Jesus to enter in, to be honest with him. Um, Jesus, before he, he left this earth, he told his disciples that he was going to send the Holy Spirit, his spirit. It was actually good that Jesus was going away because he was confined to one human body, but the Holy Spirit would not be confined in any way, that it would be given to all people. And so when we speak of Jesus being the wonderful counselor, we speak of his spirit, the Holy Spirit, being with us. And so what areas do you need the Holy Spirit, Jesus, the wonderful counselor, to show up this year? Uh, there's this passage of scripture I want us to read together. And it's a prayer. As we lead into this, this final song, uh, it's a prayer written in the, the Psalms, near the end of the Psalms. And uh, I, I just want us to read this together. You ready? Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. Now, do you realize that he knows everything about you already? He's already examined you. He knows. The psalmist continues. Let's read. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. Even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. Now, don't you love that, that, that God, knowing everything about you, don't you love the promise that he places his hand of blessing on you? His wholeness. You can't escape him. He's with you wherever you go. Okay, and he continues. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. As we sing this last song, uh, maybe you want to make your way to a cross and maybe you just want to write out just one simple phrase, word, something that acknowledges where you need the wonderful counselor in your life. Maybe it's a relationship, situation, maybe it's something from the past. We just want to give you some space to sit with Jesus, to be with Jesus and allow him to enter in as the wonderful counselor. Let's, let's begin by standing up. I'm going to say a prayer, and then just feel free to move around. You can light a candle, come to the cross. You can even sit if you'd like to sit during this time. Father God, you are a good God. And a couple hundred years before Jesus ever showed up, Isaiah gave us a picture. And he gave us something that we could expect And Jesus fulfilled all of that. God, this morning we pray that Jesus would continue to fulfill that. The wonderful counselor. The one who is not afraid of our mess. The one who is very aware of all of it. The one who wants to enter in and breathe life he wants to be a light in our darkness. God, I pray that this Advent season, we would allow him into every corner of our lives, our hearts, our minds, that we would, be, that we would become fully present. 
with God with us. Jesus, Emmanuel. God, thanks for your grace and your mercy.